Hello, word nerds. Welcome to this podcast called The Dictionary. Uh, if you could go go contact me if you want. This is a terrible start. Um, there's a Patreon. If you want to join that, you can get episodes early. Uh, you might get a few exclusive episodes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DictionaryPod. I post some pictures sometimes. Uh, there's an email address, DictionaryPod at gmail.com. There's a Google Voice number where you can call and leave a message. You can send me a short little song, a theme song that I would maybe put at the beginning of the episode. If you want to do your own little sound effect that I can put in an episode, you can send me an audio clip of that. And I think that's I think that's good for now. Oh, and of course, you gotta you gotta share this. You gotta let people know. Post it on your own social media. You can tag me. You can also write a review. Apple Podcasts, go do that. You know that everybody wants people, they want you to do that. So go do that. You can also listen to this on YouTube if you prefer YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to me on YouTube. Okay, so uh, this is the last section of page 277. The first word is Coreopsis. C-O-R-E-O-P-S-I-S. Coreopsis. Noun from... Circa 1753, any of a genus of widely cultivated composite herbs with showy, often yellow flower heads and pinnately lobed or dissected leaves. I think it's pinnately and not pinately, pinately, one of those. But they are pinately, pinately lobed or dissected leaves. And the genus is Coreopsis, and this is from Greek chorus, which means bed bug. Bed bug. I wonder why they chose bed bug. Um, also, it's akin to the Greek kirine, which means to cut, and that's probably because the leaves look like maybe they've been cut. There's more at the word shear. Okay, uh, the sound effect for today, I'm going to change it up a little bit. It's not so much of a sound effect, but a couple of words from a character that you might be familiar with. Hey, Bert. That was, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't great. That's fine. Um, the next word is co-repressor. So it's the word repressor with a co. Noun from 1963. A small molecule that activates a particular genetic repressor by combining with it. Hey, Bert. Next is co-requisite. Noun from circa 1948. A formal course of study required to be taken simultaneously with another. So a, a required course is a requisite. Sometimes there's prerequisites, things that you have to take before something else. But a co-requisite. I don't know if I've ever had to take a co-requisite. Uh, you got to take it at the same time. So two classes would be co-requisite. You got to take them at the same time for whatever reason. Depends on the situation. Hey, Bert. Next is co-respondent. Noun from 1857. A person named as guilty of adultery with the defendant in a divorce suit. Uh, A person named as guilty of adultery with the defendant in a so people are getting divorced 
one of them is being is the defendant and then they're they were guilty i'm not sure it's something something about that co-respondent uh okay next word hey bert now we changed it up a little bit i see uh so this word is corf c-o-r-f yes corf noun from 1653 it is british and it means a basket tub or truck used in a mine like a mine where they go they go take coal out or whatever it is a basket a tub or a truck used at that mine is called a corf why is it called a corf i'm not sure uh it says it's a middle english word that means basket from Middle Dutch, also Korf, or Middle Lower German, Korf with a K, from Latin, Corbis, C-O-R-B-I-S, and that means basket. So somehow it went from Corbis to Korf. It's just a basket, or a tub, or a truck. Next word, it's a, this is a fun one. Hey, Bert. It's Corgi, noun from 1926, uh, and it's just the synonym Welsh corgi. Um, what What is this word? Where does this word come from? Uh, so it comes... Oh, this is so interesting. It uh, it comes from the Welsh word, or maybe it is a Welsh word, and it comes from two parts. The first part is, it must be, th- these are both Welsh words, I think, cor, C-O-R, and that means dwarf. And then the second part is not... Gi, G-I, it's actually C-I, so somehow it changed, but maybe it's pronounced Gi, I don't know Welsh, it's a very complicated language, uh, but that word, C-I, means dog, so it means dwarf dog, Corgi literally means dwarf dog, because that is what they are, and they come from Wales, that's, that's where Welsh is spoken, I will never look at a Corgi the same way again. Obviously, we have to post a picture of a corgi, some of the cutest little dogs out there. Hey, Bert. Next word is coriaceous. C-O-R-I-A-C-E-O-U-S. Coriaceous. Adjective from 1674, and it just means resembling leather, as in coriaceous foliage. Um, doesn't really give a whole lot of information of why this word is this word and why it means resembling leather. Um, it says it's from Lower Latin coriaceus, however they would pronounce it. Uh, and there's more at the word q. How do you say this word? C u i r a s s. Curious, curious. I'm not sure. We'll learn more about that later. Coriaceous is resembling leather. Next word, Hebert. It is coriander. Coriander, uh, you can emphasize the first syllable, coriander, or you can emphasize the third syllable, coriander. Coriander? Who says that? This is a noun from the 14th century. One, an old world annual herb of the carrot family with aromatic fruits, and the scientific name is Coriandrum sativum. Coriandrum sativum. Number two, 
the ripened dry fruit of coriander used as a flavoring. And this is called also coriander seed. This is from eh, the etymology. Not much to it. Next word. Hebert. Corinthian. Capital C. First form. Noun from 1520. One. A native or resident of Corinth, Greece. Corinth, Greece. They are Corinthians. Number two. A merry profligate man. Mary, M-E-R-R-Y, profligate, or profligate, P-R-O-F-L-I-G-A-T-E. A merry profligate man is a Corinthian. Next word, rubber ducky. It is the second form of Corinthian, adjective from 1594, one of relating to or characteristic of Corinth or Corinthians. Two, of or relating to the lightest and most ornate of the three ancient Greek architectural orders, distinguished especially by its large capitals, decorated with carved acanthus leaves. And then it says to see the order illustration. Yeah, O-R-D-E-R. There's a whole illustration for orders of things. Next word, Hebert. Corinthians... So we added an S. It still has the capital C. It is a noun from 1520. Either of two letters written by St. Paul to the Christians of Corinth and included as books in the New Testament. And then it says to see the Bible table, which we already read. Hey, Bert. Next word is Coriolis effect. Two words. The first word is capital C-O-R-I-O-L-I-S. And then the second word, effect. It's, uh, it starts with an E. Noun from circa 1946. The apparent deflection of a moving object that is the result of the Coriolis force. The apparent deflection of a moving object. Uh, we will learn about Coriolis of force next. I'm just trying to gather this in my brain. So something bounces off of something else. And that's the Coriolis effect. I guess. Next word. Hebert. Coriolis force. Noun from 1923. An apparent force that as a result of the Earth's rotation deflects moving objects to the right in the northern hemisphere and to the left in the southern hemisphere. And uh, let's see. So the examples of these things that would be deflecting would be projectiles or air currents. This is named after Gaspard G. Coriolis, who was a French civil engineer and died in 1843. And I can give you more information on this because I knew I've heard of it before, but I couldn't remember. Uh, okay, so I learned that I learned this in a, in a science class in college. It's pretty fascinating because you wouldn't necessarily think of this. Okay, if you were to stand at the North Pole and shoot, and I, th- I hope I get this right, and you were to shoot a projectile straight south towards the equator from any, any point up there, uh, or just anywhere from the north, 
if you shoot something going down, um, but again, this also has to do with uh, air currents, wind, uh, water, anything that's moving. Um, if it's going south towards the equator, because of the Earth's rotation, because the Earth is rotating towards the east, that thing will move or seem to move to the right if you're going down south it will seem to move towards the right if you're looking at the earth from space uh, it would be moving towards the west because as the earth moves to the right the thing keeps on going in what it thinks is a straight line but it moves to the west it's kind of hard to describe verbally you'd have to see it maybe i'll post a picture so you can see it better then it's the opposite if you're going if you if something's going north towards the equator from the southern hemisphere as the earth moves to the right towards the east this thing the projectile the air whatever it is it seems to move to the west or it does you know if the earth weren't rotating it would move in a straight line but as the earth moves away from this thing it moves to the west to the left in that case is this making sense it's amazing because if you start, if you know it and then you look at air and wind and water currents and stuff, it all is following this Coriolis force, this effect that happens because of the Coriolis force. Uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And it is literally affecting everything on the earth at all times, constantly. We are living in a world, and all worlds that are spinning are dealing, this thing is happening constantly. Uh, yeah, so, so that, that's that, that's that. Okay, next word, hey Bert, it is corium, C-O-R-I-U-M, noun from 1836, and the synonym is dermis, and I think that's just skin, uh, and then this is, uh, corium is a Latin word, which means leather, and there's more at the word uh, this is the second time we've seen it. C-U-I-R-A-S-S. Cuiras. Cuiras. I don't know how to say it. But yes, leather is made from skin, and dermis is skin, so that all makes sense. Next word. Habert. It is cork. First form, C-O-R-K, noun from the 14th century, 1A. The elastic tough outer layer, no, outer tissue of the cork oak that is used especially for stoppers and insulation. Uh, Yeah, it's a pretty fascinating material that is organic. It comes from a tree, and then we use it in things. It's this organic material that is kind of, yeah, it's tough, but it's elastic. It's very cool. I've uh, I've never experienced it in, in nature, in the world, on a tree. Uh, I feel like we're running out, though, aren't we? I know a lot of winemakers are using uh, other materials instead of cork, so that's good. And they're just as good. It's not like it's affecting the wine. It's fine. Uh, 1B, the synonym is phelum, P-H-E-L-L-E-M, phelum. 2 a usually cork stopper for a bottle or jug. Three, a fishing float. Yeah, cork would definitely float in the water. Okay, where is this from? There's a lot of etymology here. 
Uh, it is a Middle English word, which means cork or bark. From Middle Dutch, kork with a K, or Middle Lower German, kork, K-O-R-C-K. From Old Spanish, alcorque, uh, which is from Arabic, kork, spelled Q-U-R-Q. From Latin, quercus, which means oak. And there's more at the word fir, F-I-R, like a fir tree. But it comes from an oak tree. How did the firs get into this situation? Okay, next word. Hebert. That's, uh, by the way, if you don't know, that's Ernie saying, hey, Bert. Hey, Bert. Second form of cork is a transitive verb from 1535. One, to furnish or fit with cork or a cork. With cork or a cork. Cork the bottle with a cork. Two, to stop up with a cork, as in cork a bottle. Three, to blacken with burnt cork. Uh, oh, as in the example, corked faces. So would people, if they wanted to darken their face, I'm, I assume this must have been used for blackface many, many years ago. Would they, did they use a, a, a burnt cork to do that? Um, I know that when we were kids, you like, um, I, I remember doing this when I was real little, uh, my, if you, uh, like Charlie Chaplin, if we wanted to dress up like Charlie Chaplin and put that little Charlie Chaplin mustache, which is not a great mustache to be putting on anybody, uh, you'd burn the end of a cork. So it was kind of this ashy and you could just, you know, draw a little, a little mustache on your face. Um, I did not know people would color their whole face that way. That's that's way too much and bad, just bad. Um, and uh, oh, I I think another um, uh, Groucho Marx. That was another mustache that you could put on your face with a burnt cork. Uh, when I was a kid, in our back by the back door, we had a a whole wall or a good portion of a wall was just a big cork board. So we would, you know, put calendars up there and pictures and stuff. And then uh, I think we, when we took it down, all the cork was falling off or something. And I think I remember getting a piece of the cork in my eye. I was probably like four years old or something. Uh, and every time I think of cork, I can't not think about the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with uh, Steve Martin and, oh my God, Michael Caine. And uh, there's that great scene where he says to Steve Martin, oh no, somebody else says, why is the cork on the fork? Oh, the cork is on the fork to prevent him from hurting himself. And then he smacks himself in the eye with the cork on the fork. Okay, we have one more word. Hey, Bert, it is corkage. C-O-R-K-A-G-E, noun from 1838. A charge for opening a bottle of wine bought elsewhere so if you buy your wine from somewhere else and then you take it to a restaurant that is byob they will charge you a corkage fee they may charge you a corkage fee but it's also much cheaper than buying the bottle of wine or whatever it is at their restaurant because they always charge way too much because it's a business they got to make money somehow All right, so the words of this, the words today in this episode were Coriopsis, 
co-repressor, co-requisite, co-respondent, corf, corgi, coriaceous, coriander, Corinthian, Corinthians, Coriolis effect, Coriolis force, Corium, cork, and corkage. Well, I had a lot to say about cork, but I think I'm going to pick Coriolis force because, because, uh, let's see, any, any planet in the universe that is spinning has the Coriolis effect happening to it. This is a terrible song with terrible words. The Coriolis force is happening when a planet is rotating. Everything seems to spin in the other direction. All right, I am I am feeling bad about all this. Okay, let's talk about the holidays. It is Darwin Day, and I very coincidentally happen to be wearing my Darwin shirt uh, it's like a portrait of Darwin and he's hugging a chimp and it's, it's odd. It's, uh, you know, it's not like the most accurate thing, but it's more about the sentiment of science that I like about it. Uh, Georgia, the U S state Georgia is celebrating Georgia day. It's also Lincoln's birthday. The UN has red hand day. Myanmar has union day. Venezuela has Youth Day. Um, all right, I think we're all ready to the fun holidays. It is Global Movie Day. So go watch a movie from another part of the globe, uh, and it shows a picture of the Chicago Theater. It's Hug Day. Just, just hug somebody all day long. It is the NAACP Day. That's that's a good one. Maybe they were started on February 12th. It is National Freedom to Marry Day. That means you are free to marry whoever you want to marry. That's a relatively new concept in this country. Glad we finally got there, mostly. It's National Lost Penny Day. National Plum Pudding Day. Oglethorpe Day. Oh, that's also known, known as Georgia Day. Paul Bunyan Day, Safety Pup Day. Anything else on this page? Nope, that's it. Okay, that is it. We finished page 277, and up next is 278. Thank you very much for listening, and until next time, this is Spencer dispensing information. Goodbye. Hello and welcome to How Did This Not Get Made. This is the podcast all about the movies you never saw, the scripts that were never filmed, and the ideas that never even made it to the page. My name is David Spencer. And my name is Daniel Kaka. Join us for season three where we uncover the multiple unmade Iron Man movies, the original bloody plot of The Mask, an unproduced episode of Doctor Who that turned into The Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy. We revisit Red Dwarf, Discover how the Star Wars sequel trilogy should have ended, and this season we're even including a video game in our lineup. 